0: This podcast was recorded on the stolen lands of the Wandri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay respects to elders past and present. We recognise First Nation people's deep connection to land, water, sky, country, culture, and language. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
1: In the heat of
0: Back to Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, a feminist podcast where we talk about politics and political systems from a feminist perspective. My name's Leah. I'm joined today by Hoda Anazanin. This is the second part of Women, Life, Freedom. This is a freeform podcast so there was a lot for these two incredible women to say so I've just cut it in the middle and done this awkward introduction. Content warnings for state violence, abuse, assault, descriptions of abuse look after yourselves I hope you get as much out of it as I did
2: Islamic Republic was kind of created in an environment and at a time that people already they knew about other countries they have experienced freedom themselves Mm -hmm. they have never been able to close off everybody that much I have learned a lot from uh, feminist movements and activism uh, the other campaigns that have been able to have some wins yeah. in their communities, in their countries, I have learned a lot about from them. You know, you need to see freedom, what it looks like to be able to ask for it, to be able to fight for yeah. it, to be able to make it happen for yourself. Know what's out there. the There's a really famous book, uh, which is actually a political book in Iran. It's called Little Blackfish by Samad Behrangi. I believe, yeah, he wrote it before uh, the Islamic Republic Revolution, and he wrote it as a a children's book. It's a really interesting uh, trend for the writers at the time. Uh, They were disguising their political messages as folk stories and children's stories. Uh, But the people who knew them and their work and could understand the meaning out of it, they were getting the meaning. Uh, this one is a story of a little black fish who was in a little pond, and uh, he's wondering what's out there, what's in the sea. I want to go and see the sea. All the other older fishes are telling, no, 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 there's nothing out there. This is it, just these, uh, like water that doesn't move, that it smells. This is all that there is. This is the whole world. There's nothing out there. And then the little blackfish keeps looking at the moon and wandering outside there until one night uh, that he leaves the pond and goes for the sea. Uh, the story is being told pond. So they still don't know what's happening. They're telling the story like, yeah, my children, many years ago this happened. But yeah, that just is spirit of wandering outside there and going for it and questioning it. It's keeping us honestly alive. Yeah, if you really wanted to believe what this establishment tells you, you would have a really sad life. Another story I can share with you. A lot of the teachers are in school teaching, like, especially the theology teachers, the religious teachers, they would, like, you know, follow official government books. And of course, some of them themselves are religious, so they might tell you about these things. I was, I guess, like 10 years old or something, around that age. Uh One of the teachers, I don't know what age, she was our school nurse coming to like, you know, tell us about period and uh, what's going to happen in your body, something like that. At some point in one of the classes, I guess she ran out of material. She started talking about religion. She got into the point of if you are dancing and somebody takes a video of you without you knowing, and then somebody else watches that video. The sin of this thing happening is it's still on you for dancing and then we kept asking questions what if you're alone what if it's just other women what if it's just your family like you know we kept questioning it and then she ended up with this example That's so, also reinforcing surveillance yeah exactly she kept saying no what if if somebody sees you and they are like no we're alone we're at home No, even if someone records you well we don't know that they're recording we didn't consent to it we didn't let them they're doing it no 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 it's still your fault it's still your fault anyhow fast love forward Pushing those questions, though, That's which awesome. was interesting. Yeah. All of us were pushing, yeah. but anyway, she ended up on that point, and then we're like, "What?" A couple of months after that, it was my aunt's wedding, and I really liked to dance at the time. During that age, my grandmother was teaching me Turkish dances and other types of dances. My brother was a baby, and when he would like, you know start crying. I It was my job to distract him by dancing for him. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And then we would distract him. <laughs> so like, it, it was a good thing. But yeah, it was my aunt's wedding. And then I saw other oh, cameras. I did not dance in my own aunt's wedding. What What is this? Why, why is this pressured on a nine-year-old? And I remember that time, so many people said, yeah, don't you want to dance? Like, you know, you're all dressed up. It's the wedding. And I kept
1: saying, no. And I couldn't tell them why. It's because I was afraid. A growing fear in children's heads. Yeah. like really common. The fear of everything. Like I remember at school, they were telling us that if you show your hair after life, you're going to hang for your hair. Imagine that, like, telling an eight-year-old kid that's
0: like i feel like the widest most privileged asshole because we fight so hard for feminism in your face you're like yep you are oh come on no no no, no. fair enough no no, no, no. No, no no but you know what i mean like i fight so hard for liberation i'm like we don't have the rights that we think we have and you're just like well as a kid you know it's bad because you read it and you see the struggles you know the historical context firsthand experience Mm -hmm. you're just like jesus christ all right Right. what what are we doing how do we support you how do we help how do you okay Uh, (laughs) there's
2: a lot i just wanted (laughs) to say like you know things like that weren't just done to no, girls, no. uh, also women, like my dad has horrible stories of their religious teacher telling them ridiculous things.
0: And just, what you said before, these systems don't benefit men. It doesn't benefit anyone. No,
2: yeah, it doesn't. It's it only so benefits attractive. the establishment and uh, very few yeah. people. Yeah. It's just this funny story. Then we're going to go to how people can support okay, uh, cool. Iran's revolution <laughs> because this one is kind of like related to Australia. Anyway, so my dad, uh, he was nine years old. My parents were both around nine years old when they were revolution happened uh, like you know they were in a mixed uh gender school then now suddenly they're going to segregate at the school uh they're going through all of those early phases on of education system trying to uh impose this ideology onto young minds um, and and uh, they had this religious uh, teacher uh, in um high school Uh, And of course, they were like, you know, naughty boys who would like keep arguing with him in the uh, in the cover of Anna. We're just having a conversation and they would like mock him in their own way. Mm -hmm. And one of it was that like, you know, he's talking about, yeah, you know, you know, these are the meats that are allowed to eat in Islam. This is like what you're not allowed to eat in Islam. Like pork is one of them. And then at some point, one of them goes, what about Australian kangaroo? (laughs) I don't know. 30-something years ago in Iran, there was no sending Australian kangaroo meats to Iran, but one of them asks. <laughs> and then the guy like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Quran have said something about it. They're like mocking the guy. At some point, yeah, one of them says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mullah, blah, blah, from that other city said that, yes, it's forbidden because of this reason. And then the other guy has said, no, it's allowed because of this reason. Now, which one is it? We don't know. The protests and the resistance from that age what you had available to to you just mocking these establishments yeah. in different ways yeah. whatever we could like you know do and fast forward this year school protesting in their schools taking down the picture of the supreme leader from the classrooms from their school books yeah. burning it jumping on it tearing it up and they re- also received the punishment of getting attacked by chemical gas yeah yeah and that is all a trend, uh, this. Thread of resistance and oppression, both of it. People taking it upon themselves to enforce the rules that they believe in. They started with pushing pushpins through women's forehead to fix the scarf on their head. They escalated by acid attacks in Isfahan. That was about like 10 something years ago. And now they're doing the same by chemical gas. Each different version, they're just getting uh, better equipment. It's mm. the same sentiment. It's the same mentality. It's the same people.
1: Yeah, and they're thinking that they can stop the the all these protests and all these things that happening in Iran by doing by growing fear. But at the same time, they don't know that they they digging their own grave. People cannot cannot be silenced. They're gonna they're gonna change it. They yeah. cannot be. They're always happening. Like mm. they're trying to distract people by some tourists uh, bombing in different area to say is that oh okay uh this is how ha- because of people protesting in Iran and you want freedom, yes yeah, so t- t- ter- terrorists coming and you know bombing. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lies they make like they fake the bombing and kill people to just say that oh because you protest. Police you was the- busy. That happened in Shiraz in Shah. But Shattr- people people, people the- feel that they don't believe it. I guess the government is doing this because like they want to brainwash their own people Uh, they're trying to to play with the mind of people and like saying that oh okay so if you keep continue protesting it's going to happen and the country is not going to have its own boundaries this sentence of islamic republic is bringing safety Mm.
2: uh, telling us oh yes see we're not like syria we're not like iraq we're not like afghanistan of course all of our neighboring countries are in war it's like, yeah, see, at least we have safety. At least we have safety. Don't. Yeah, I,
1: I remember myself going out to work from the early in the morning. I feel unsafe the whole time that I was out. Mm. Like as a woman, like sitting in a taxi, you know sexual assault like the man touching me. and i couldn't say something because i feel like i cannot say something because what the other people what what the public is going to thinking about myself maybe it's my fault like because this is something that always the government says that if something happens to, to you it's mm-hmm. your fault because if you're the way that you're closing they they think that they they're bringing safety for us but they're not no it's yeah, not, it's, it's unsafe like, like going to the street i was I remember myself when I came here to Australia and walking in Melbourne Street, I was always looking at my back if someone following me or not. Like now it's not happening. Now it's not happening. But at the beginning, it was like based on my habit, like because in Iran, you need to be, you cannot like always. My mom always told me that, hold on when you're in the street, don't listen to music. Uh, don't put your headphone on. You need to be aware of what's happening around you. Because mm. you need to be safe, protect yourself in the street. And mm. I remember yeah. one one time I was talking on the phone with my friend in the street. It was like 7 seven p.m. It was a bit dark. And um, there was like a teenager was following me. And I was a teenager too. But there was like this teenager following me. And he, he started to punch me in the belly and um i didn't know what to do and he was like i just shouted and he ran away there was like some people coming and he ran away so this is how unsafe is mm. the country so it's not safety it's not safety for anyone the only thing that they they care about is the boundary of the country that will stay the same that so that's that's the only thing that they're thinking about that's their safety i guess yeah because wanted to You reminded you just reminded me of so many things I haven't thought about. Yeah, we, in years. Are, we, are, we are traumatized. Like we are the mm. all the women, men in Iran they're traumatized. Mm. Um like um yeah. I think so many people survive
2: with like, you know, not talking about it. That's that might sure. be like, you know, their coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh also there are lots of people who are privileged and of course their lives are very different and their experiences are very different. And uh, when you hear their stories, it's like they're, they live in a different country, Yeah, having money, having access, mm-hmm. having connections makes a huge difference. Oh my God, there's like this one blogger in Iran, even before this revolution started, way before it, she would always post like pictures of herself without hijab. She would post pictures of her friends coming from different countries without hijab or like you know where loose hijab in public space and everyone was like how are you guys not getting arrested it's in, like you know at the same time in the news women are getting like you know attacked by the morality police officers uh women are getting harassed in the street like we're seeing both on social media at the same time how is this a thing at the end because that woman that very specific very privileged group they have money they're not using like public transport to go around they have access to like their own cars they're hanging out in the fancy part of the town in the more privileged areas police don't go there because I guess businesses don't want them there even if something happens to them they have the money to bribe somebody and get away from it it makes so much of a difference of your experience and then hmm. she made this huge post about her experience of hijab in Iran and then she was like yeah you know my dad was religious. he was forcing me to wear hijab After we migrated out of Iran, she migrated out of Iran when she was a teenager. Then years later, she came back to Iran on her own. But then like, I had to wear it when I was outside of Iran. I had to break out of it. Yes, I understand all that experiences. But she doesn't acknowledge that the fact that she can just walk with pants on and shirt on in Tehran is because she's living in the rich part of the town. She's Mm. not going to work every day and back. She's working from home. She's working in arts and culture sector. Yeah. yeah, she owns her own home at a very young age and all of these other things, all of the yeah. other privilege that so many other people don't have. I think that's an important thing for non-Iranians, non-Farsi speakers to understand. You might hear like experiences that Hoda and I are talking about are very different. Like, I grew up with a certain privilege. Hoda, I'm sure you also grew up with a certain privilege over some other people. It's important to keep that in mind. People's experiences living in this system are different from one another. Uh, And I feel that also has given more security to Islamic Republic because we really hardly like ever see all of us experiencing the same thing at the same time. Oppression is happening to one group over another one. An amazing thing after death of mass was that so many people like identified themselves in her story and especially the way that her family talked about her death that they said yes your name is gonna be our secret for freedom your name is a rallying chant death to the dictator woman life freedom black is our flag these are the sentences that his family are recorded saying right after her death that the vocabulary that they have, the vocabulary and the literature of resistance and fighting that Kurdish people have. And it actually, it doesn't translate that easily to Farsi even. It's like still a bit far and far we're learning it. That helped. That literature of resistance, uh, I feel that's a, that vocabulary, this language, there's so much power in it. That is important to learn it, to understand it, to even find, Moments of solidarity and connection with other uh, movements in the world, with other cultures. And like the song, A Rapist on Your Path, several years ago, the first time I saw it was a group of women in Iran performing it. The video of it is amazing because they are in a park. They're like, you know, in a public space. It's winter, so they are wearing, they're not wearing hijab, but they're wearing hats and they're covering their faces with the scarf
0: yeah.
2: uh, so that they wouldn't be identified. And the Farsi translation of that was like so powerful that they're calling, yes, the supreme leader is a rapist. IRGC is a rapist. Morality police is a rapist. Minister of culture is a rapist because of all of these reasons. And stoning and uh, acid attack and forced marriages and honor killing all of these acts of oppression against women, which, yeah, that was how some women in Iran found unity uh, through the Chilean uh, women's protest and movement and from their song. They connected with it and communicated how non-Iranians and non-Farsi speakers can support us. I think this notion is at the center of it. Uh, Find those moments of connections, add to it have a conversation with us, keep this conversation alive mm-hmm. and add to it. The feminist resistance, oppression against women is not just happening in Iran or Afghanistan or in those countries it's happening in so many places. And if like, if it's becoming harder for women in America to have abortion, of course, it's going to be harder to fight for abortion rights in Iran. Yeah. These are connected. Yeah, and that's very important. The other things, uh, but just like you know, a couple of maybe more uh, practical steps. Yeah, if you like to support uh, Gina's revolution, woman life freedom revolution of Iran. Almost none of the specific requests that we have started with have been completely fulfilled. Some have uh, gone progress in multiple stages, but not really. Any of them have been like achieved completely yet. Mm. And those were all requests that we had from uh, Western governments uh, that each of you listening to this podcast right now uh, are voting members of these systems. Hoda mentioned. Uh, compulsory hijab is one of the pillars of Islamic Republic's dictatorship. The other pillars are its economy, its legitimacy as a form of government, and its connections with other countries. Uh, from day one, people have been asking just... Just cut your ties with the Islamic Republic. Stop legitimizing them. Close down their embassies. They use embassies to spy on Iranian activists outside of Iran and threaten us. And so many activists in Melbourne have received calls from Iran's embassy or people working for them, getting threats. We're going to put you in a bag. Uh, We're going to go and prosecute your parents in Iran. We're going to take away the property you have in Iran. Things like that. Very cool and normal. Yes. And it's... And it's bizarre that the Australian government has said uh, that they already have stopped surveillance uh, operations by Islamic Republic on Iranian community of Australia. Yeah. But there is still like dragging their feet on huh? limiting uh, the activities of the embassy here. Putting IRGC, that's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. They're not just the military. They have so much control over Iran's economy and media and directly support the supreme leader of Iran. And they have a stake, huge stake in this game. Iran is not part of the UN's commission on status of women anymore. They got kicked out of that. But the campaign for that, was started several years ago. So even though we achieved it in this revolution, yes, this revolution helped it, but we still are seeing that in the anniversary of Islamic Republic's revolution, some ambassadors or some politicians were still wearing the compulsory hijab going to the official ceremonies. Western journalists are invited to go to Iran, and it's bizarre. They're looking at what's happening around them, and oh my god, this one was the most bizarre one. There was a PBS, uh, I, I believe journalist, it was a woman and she tweeted a picture of a jar of gif brand peanut in a supermarket and then she's saying when we find common things with each other those countries are less likely to go to war together and now here's the amazing thing underneath it there was the price of that one jar of peanut written in english numbers so she could actually read it it was two hundred and fifty thousand months when i was a student in university going from this part of the town to that part of the town with taxi every day and like going to cafe with my friends and buying like little. Little things here and there and buying a book to read. Two hundred and fifty thousand to man that was like my budget three weeks. It's a jar of peanut butter. Mm. Who's buying that's, that? That's our commonality. Mm.
0: That's what brings us to Yeah. The-
2: thank you, thank you, American journalist that you went to Iran and saw that. Oh, um so We wrong. people need to get media to be responsible and do their jobs and uh, report the truth and understand the context and stop this bullshit editorial system that they have there are so many reports written by western journalists that the iranian people are not happy with because they're only looking at this part of the Mm. system if you open your window then you're gonna see how that system of oppression and everything else is causing this little thing that you're looking at after all of these time that we are shouting the truth we are trying to explain it we're translating to english It is not just, oh, I didn't have access to information to put together the correct information. I couldn't understand. After a certain point, it is on purpose, I think. It is like there was this this friends of my dad and my parents in a party and uh, one of their children, who was the same age as me, he left Iran when he was much younger. So, like, you know, I understand that there are so many contexts of what's happening in Iran that he just doesn't know about. He doesn't understand it. He hasn't experienced it. Okay. Uh, but he was saying, yeah, you know, uh, Masih al-Najad, all of these years, she kept telling women, go to the street, take off your headscarf. But she's not there. she's in safe in America. She keeps telling people, go to that. So Masih al-Najad was a journalist in Iran. She's still a journalist. She's a really prominent activist now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually got imprisoned uh, when she was very young. She's gone through so many things. Uh, she was fired from her job reporting on the parliament uh, because she uncovered some documents about a bribery that have happened but the parliament members who were involved in that bribery they couldn't get rid of her by like you know any justified reason Mm. they got rid of her because of bad hijab they fired a journalist from parliament because of bad hijab that was her crime and her hijab was showing this much of hair there's like pictures of the day that she got fired one of them started just shouting at her in the middle of the hallway she was going up to them holding up the documents that she have like got the evidence that she have found Mm. and this other guy who knew about it found out one of them just started shouting at her, pull your headscarf front, pulled your headscarf front. And then she went to pull it, like instinctively. And then she touched her hair. She was like, Oh, that's just so little. And then she got angry. She was like, What are we talking about? Anyway, fight, bro. That's the story. And uh, of course, she, she left Iran a couple of years after that. It wasn't really, she couldn't do her work. And she started this campaign of My Stealthy Freedom. Mm. But she wasn't the one that told women to go and take your headscarf. Around. people were already doing it women have agency they had the choice yes she just created a platform to show it to go like yes it is it this is what this woman is doing this is what that woman which was like so amazing was there
0: any one person doing it though i would have thought that there would have been multiple people doing it so
2: many people so many like you know again the whole game of oh let your head scarf accidentally fall yeah that's a game All women were playing, uh, like, as the ones who didn't want compulsory head job. Let it fall down accidentally when no one is looking. Yeah. Accidentally. Like, that that was, like, the little bit of freedom we could get, and they were using it. And yeah, like, you know, she gave it compulsory head job I heard it from her for the first time yes other feminists have used it before other activists have used it before but none of them had such a big big platform like her for me to hear it so yes someone who has created a good platform someone who has a rapport with people she got so much of following after she documented uh, all the people who got arrested tortured or like died in uh, the 2009 uh, green movement uprising after the a presidential election we had and it took her almost two and a half years, three years after that to is talk that to the families funny? of each of these people, almost five years and then she kept reporting on it, reporting on it on exile, she was outside of Iran with no mind, no access and yeah, of course she has so much of like following. She, she didn't like grow suddenly coming, we all know about it but then yeah, some people who haven't followed it as closely yeah. they're just seeing this part of it that oh this is all of it and then I'm like, yeah, you know, you wouldn't have said that about men at all. I don't yes. think so. You wouldn't have said, oh, yeah. this political activist outside of her telling men to go and do it. They would say, oh, men are doing this and this political activist is following them. That vocabulary, the fact that you only saw a little bit and you don't think to yourself that I only have saw a little bit. Maybe there's more to the story. Yeah. And you allow yourself to make a conclusion. It is still is rooted in... Seeing women as yes, somebody needs to tell them what to do. They don't have agency. They're not doing it on their own. They're encouraged by somebody else. Yeah. Um. Which anyway, it was like bizarre that I'm seeing the I'm hearing the same vocabulary and talking point from him, Mm. a guy that grew up in a liberal family outside of Iran. He has access to information. He's not as like you know. He is a well-read. Like he reads. He thinks does that yes, yeah. but again it's the same vocabulary it's, it's also bit, the,
0: so pervasive of that, oppression that yeah. yeah yeah
2: it's wild yeah i also i have heard it from so many other iranian men as well is mm. like, it is helping the islamic republic's propaganda and so many instances have happened that people in iran are risking their lives to get the news out mm. us iranians and diaspora are like, you know, putting our own lives on hold to get that news out. We're doing everything that we can. We're translating, we're communicating, we're talking to people, we're going to protests, we're making artworks any way possible to us petition going and writing to our parliamentarians to get this truth out so people understand it and it's already very complicated and then there have been several very strategic moments that the news are getting out it's getting momentum and then suddenly one report from like new york times or another uh, mainstream media outlet is just changing it apart and then you're like oh my god what happened and then we go find out oh this person that they talk to is connected by marriage to this other person and they used to work for this person and they're connected to the government and if you look at their body of work through the last 10-15 years every time they have been asked to comment on what's happening in iran their comments are very surface level. They all keep talking about, yes, you know, economic sanctions on Iran are hurting the people. Yes, they're hurting the people. They were bad to begin with. You know what else right is now people are region? asking. For, yeah. The, the system yeah. is hurting people. Yeah. So Islamic Republic is not going to suddenly change if you lift the sanctions. They're just going to keep them to themselves. They were doing it before. They're going to keep doing it. Nothing mm. is going to change in that system. That's all again within the propaganda of Islamic Republic. They do have journalists. They do have academics outside of Iran mm. who support their interests, and it is difficult to identify it, but it's not impossible. Mm. So understanding this media context is—I understand—it's going to be a bit complicated. It's going to take a bit of time but it is very important so many people are working really hard to get the news out of iran and it is just devastating when we see it not being understood properly one thing we talked about compulsory hijab that's like one of the good Mm -hmm. storylines to talk about so the protests in iran are happening it is started because a woman died in the hands of morality police a most visible sign of that resistance is taking off this piece of mm-hmm. fabric off our heads. Trevor Noah's uh, Daily Show, they were one of the earliest shows on that level who started mm-hmm. covering the story and they actually did a pretty good job mm-hmm. early on. They reported on it. He talked extensively about it. He was explaining the context and I was like, oh, this is making it accessible for so many people to understand. Mm-hmm. That's good. They also interviewed Christian M- Amanpour, she's uh, one of the reporters in CNN, uh, because she wanted to interview the president of Iran uh, Ibrahim Raisi when he was visiting UN this is like two weeks three weeks after uh, the killing of Jina Amini Mm. and he and she refused to wear headscarf because she was Mm. like I am in America yes I have worn the headscarf when I was in Islamic countries talking to those politicians before because I guess like you know she was forced to
0: you have to okay she's
2: done it but that doesn't mean that I'm going to wear it just because I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. And of course, Abraham Rice didn't want there to be a picture of him talking to a woman without hijab. So he refused to come for the interview. And that really iconic picture of Christian Poor sitting in front of an empty chair, that went really viral. Trevor Noah did a good interview with her as well, which was, again, really early on into the movement. Context, explaining, that was all really good. The third piece that they did was when this news came out of Iran. There was like headline in so many places that suddenly Iran is abolishing morality police yeah Now this concept of morality police we're explaining to people what it is because that's in the news that specific part of the police force that killed Jina Amini we're explaining what it is and then suddenly that feels like oh that's an achievement what was the truth about that someone from the judiciary one of the judges one of the high-ranking officials in the judiciary system. He was talking about whatever. And then in this press conference, he was asked, where is morality police? We don't see them on the streets anymore. And then he complained why the police force doesn't have enough staff to both oppress protesters, torture them in prisons, question them in prisons, and also still operate as morality police. The reason that we weren't seeing morality police on the street wasn't because they didn't want to police women for wearing or not wearing hijab anymore. It was because their staff were busy arresting people, killing them and torturing them in prisons. There's a finite amount of how many staff that they have. Now, This sentence that he said, morality police looks like, looks like it is closed down from wherever it was started. Also, the whole budget, budget system for morality police were always really questionable. Where even this budget is coming from? Who has oversight over it? Really complicated. And then he's complaining why they can't do it. And I remember I saw the news, like we saw it all in Farsi and in the Iranian social media and the Farsi social media. We all ignored it because we all knew what bullshit it is. We all knew that this doesn't make, make any sense. This is just what it is. And then some Western media outlet picked it up. And of course, people don't read past the headline. And now the headline sounds like it's abolished. So that's a win. And yet that was the last report that Daily Show did on it. I was like... Hmm. You know, I was seeing that. Hey, here is one person who was like covering the story, and yeah, yeah, when he said it, it was just yes, and news from Iran. This has a bush, and he just the headline, and then people cheered. Move on to the next one. Yeah, there's been a win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, it's it it is not passed. No. They, Already members of the parliament of Iran have talked about, hey, you know, this whole system that we had to arrest women for wearing hijab badly and then educating them wasn't really working. Maybe we should use this other system. And they're referring to, I don't know, whatever part in the religious textbooks they found. Mm. uh, That is basically maybe if we get them close to a mullah, like a person studying the religion, then that's going to be good. And the phrase that they used means temporary marriage. For fuck's sake. What does that say for you? A woman that they picked up off the street for not wearing her hijab properly. Now she's gonna learn about the proper Islam by being in a relationship to a mullah for a couple hours for a couple days, however long that she needs. That's something out of handsmaid tale for you. And it was a female parliament member who said that, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, I'm, they... I'm not even surprised at this point. Yeah, and... the women that fight against their own self-interest it's infuriating
2: yeah and they're like yeah yeah we don't need to have the police on the street we can just use facial recognition and find people which they were doing before from the license plates and traffic cameras but right now they have software and equipment mm. from china for surveillance for facial recognition right now is ramadan and Police is talking about, yeah, we're going to do this punishment for women with bad hijab and for people if they're eating in public. New sets of uh, punishments. Within the country themselves, those officials, they're not backing down. This sentence, hijab is our red line. Hijab is our flag. That's a red line they're never, ever going to give up. They're never, ever going to be a time that Islamic Republic can be like, oh, they're going to have some reform. No more compulsory hijab. Mm. You can go to the beach and like wear a bikini. Like it's not yeah. gonna happen. They have made it so much of their part of their identity that they cannot exist without it. And it is just so bizarre that your flag and your ideology depends on somebody else doing something with yeah. their body. Why aren't you responsible for holding up your own flag? Please choose a flag that you can you <laughs> carry yourself. Complexities like this. It's complicated. Yeah. Sorry, going back to how people, non-Farsi speakers and non-Iranians can support us. Understanding the media, understanding the complexity, learning about it. They're all very important. Keeping pressure on your officials, on your parliament mm-hmm. members uh, to keep the attention on it is very important. We yeah. Iranians in well, are tired. Iranians in Iran are tired. We do need help. We do need support. People say that you know, Iranians aren't waiting for people to come and do the revolution for them. But if we get help, it's going to be better, faster, and with way less lives lost and cost of lives in this revolution. Already, we have lost 800 protesters directly died in the protests. About 400 people at least have lost an eye from the bullets shout at them, and 19,000 people have been arrested there was also a news again a while ago that yes they're gonna let a lot of them out and this supreme leader giving them a uh, release releasing them
0: what a benevolent uh, man
2: and, of course, like, you know, there was in the news that this person is coming out, that person is coming out, this, but it's all conditional. They got them all to sign, like, yeah. all of their rights away. If I do anything ever again, you're allowed to take my but land, things it's, like it's, that. But so it's also
0: framing it as if, like, they actually did something wrong in the first place.
2: Yeah. There are some prisoners who got released even without any paperwork. And they were like, you have to tell me why you arrested mm-hmm. me in the first place because they never got a sentencing. So mm-hmm. many of them have been still arrested. No court date yet no court appearance yet no sentences yet so there is still in the first stage of arrest in the parts of the prison that was never built or designed for long-term uh, imprisonment so that's another form of torture that it's just, they it's just crime against
0: humanity after crime against humanity after crime against humanity yeah. and it does make you wonder like oh cool so the un has taken iran off the status yeah, of the, women yeah but or what, the truth what else finding are they commission.
2: Doing? also the truth finding commission which You know, we're waiting for them to do something. Commissions,
0: like people are
2: dying. (laughs) Waiting for them to do something. At least we're gonna do a report. Like (laughs) off. Like what are they doing? Exactly. Like the truth is out there. There's so much evidence. What is anybody waiting for at this (laughs) stage? But okay, okay, you want to take this step? Okay, we're here to help you. This Truth Finding Commission, they put a job advertisement out for investigators and assistants. We are sharing that job ad with ourselves. Like, please, please, anybody who has these skills, please apply, please apply. Because yes, this is not the best step, but it is one thing it that is there. It. So we yeah. we need to take advantage of it. We don't have the luxury yeah. of saying, No, this is not good. Oh, We're I'm gonna sorry. wait for something. Better. No, of
0: course not. But like yeah. it's
2: so frustrating. It is frustrating. It doesn't feel enough. It no. doesn't feel enough. And It's also really disappointing when we see like all of the politicians who and and celebrities who have like, you know, wrote something in support of Iranians uh, and in support of our movement. It's kind of like our online culture that people like, you know, post about it. Like, oh, yeah, this person said something nice. Please go and thank them in the comments. Please share it. Because we want to keep encouraging them to like, you know, talk about we want to show them that, hey, we appreciate this. It's important to us. Yeah, okay. of course we do that. Yeah. And then, yeah, some politicians, you know, they do that. And then the next day they are meeting with our foreign minister and they, in the meeting, they're like, hi, how are you? What's going on with you? Is this really the conversation you're having right now? Would you have this conversation if like the leader of ISIS was in front of you right now? I don't know. Like, It's wild. ABC had a IRGC sympathizer who asked a question on Q&A from Behrouz Bouchani, which was bizarre because the topic of that meeting was, that show was about refugee rights. That's why Behrouz Bouchani was on it. But, you know, Iranians suddenly, and other Iranians clearly sympathizer, asking questions. And then she felt like, you know, IRGC's official government of Iran, they are protecting Iran the same talking points. And, of course, we got all really mad. And, like, ABC has done amazing investigative journalism about what's happening in Iran before. Mm -hmm. And they still are doing. But then suddenly moments like this are happening in such a huge platform like Q&A. Yes, you do your journalism in the written reports and in the online reports. But then the biggest platforms you have, the only talking point about Iran is that you're just a sympathizer. Okay, whatever. And then so many of us wrote to them. This was basically what I wrote. Would you allow an ISIS supporter to say this? What Islamic Republic does to people of Iran is what ISIS also wants to do. They have the same ideology. There really are that much mm-hmm. of a difference. Anyway, and then ABC is responding, well, you know, uh, Q&A is, we, we show all points of view. And also IRGC, official form of government. So they're not really a terrorist organization. Well, we want to talk that this whole form of government is illegitimate. The vocabulary that we use about Islamic Republic, we call it occupying regime of Iran. Mm. at some point during that revolution the story i was telling you when the king left and khomeini came in one of his early interviews he said there is no compulsion in hijab and now we have compulsory hijab that was published in the newspapers there were so many things that he and his supporters lied about and then they just started killing anybody that dared to speak against them and they took over this revolution it wasn't their revolution uh and then after that step by step Every time people of Iran try to use the system to change it, to get something better, they got attacked by the government and they got stopped. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know when this system is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. One of the things about a dictatorship like that is that saving face is the most important thing for them. So they're not going to let out. Uh, what is exactly happening inside. We do see that the pressure is exhausting them as well. We do see that there are some points of crack, but we can never be sure. We are fighting at a time that there is connection on social media with technology. Yeah. With a government that has so much power.
0: Yeah.
2: With a government that every aspect of it is controlled by one person Mm. and one ideology for such a long time. And at the end of the day, it doesn't benefit any other country in the region or so many of these Western countries for regime change either. We're fighting a fight never seen before.
0: Like, and you want to be, you want a revolution that actually centers the people as opposed to the UK and the US coming in once again. Yeah and install it. like you don't want it to be infiltrated in that way but yeah, you also no. want the support from their government to put pressure on this current government but so that the people can rise
2: yeah so it's a pretty fine line it's yeah. so many unknowns there are already war supporter politicians in other countries who are like pretty vocal about uh, iran's revolution and they were like hmm
0: exactly what do you want out of this like have you you changed
2: your mind or are you genuinely supporting us yeah or
0: are you viewing this with like cash dollars in your eyes and you're like get the oil for yourself or the resources
2: the only thing i know is that all of these systems of power have been able to take back people's movement and kind of like steal it for themselves Mm. when people thought that oh we achieved it now we can go home yeah we can't go home yeah That's what's happening, I guess. uh, That's also really uh, a sentiment that Hodo and I are really trying to practice in, especially in our artworks, because they're all public Mm -hmm. in the streets, streets that we should not leave. And I'm hoping that we can practice this enough. (laughs) And communicated enough with other people that it will become our second nature. We should not leave the streets alone. We should not go back home. Yeah, yeah. We have to support each other, build those yeah. communities, build those supports, networks and systems. And it's going to take a long time and it's going to be really hard. And we're going to feel disappointed many, many, many times. <laughs> the amount of uh, human life we have yeah. lost yeah. just in the last six months. Yeah. It's unimaginable. And yes, people do want change. People do want progress and our nation have been gone this path multiple times before in my lifetime i remember multiple of it people are really afraid of letting things to become ordinary letting ourselves to get used to uh oh this is just any other day oh that person died and okay it's that family not my family it is really hard to keep the fight going with the volume and the momentum that we had the tehran art circle artists that hoda mentioned who are in iran they're staying anonymous as hoda mentioned for their safety and we and a couple of other groups in other countries are doing their designs one of them told us that yeah you know people are gonna come and go out of the movement out of the protests and if us with very powerful communication tool, which is our mm. artworks keep that sentiment alive, be able to keep this focal point alive, then people will find a way again, yeah, and they will come back to us again. It feels really difficult being in this environment, uh that yeah, so many of us have just sacrifice our personal lives. Mm. My coping mechanism before death of Gino was to just move on. I would see the pictures of the protests in Iran because there was so many other protests before it as well. And then I would just move on. I could not cope. Right now I am coping much better and I am I am able to be involved because of the community I found and the friends that I found supporting me. I hope that we can keep these friendships we all have forged on the streets, in Iran, outside of Iran, on social media, alive, because that's what is giving us power to keep fighting for another day. And also I keep fighting for, like, from day one I kind of, like, was like, no, I have to do something, because I thought there's this one friend of mine who is still in iran dear friend of mine and i was like yeah you know they're gonna cut the internet like they did in uh 2007 bloody november sorry 2017 bloody november they're gonna cut the internet i think and we already knew the as they did mm-hmm. uh and she's gonna come back to social media after a couple of days i'm not gonna go when that would be but they really don't want her coming back and seeing that i'm not doing anything Mm. then I kind of like made hair my own one goal and I was like yeah just for one person if I can keep focus on hair I yeah. can keep going throughout this storm I need one lighthouse
1: yeah and... every single person that died their life is important every single person that I know around myself they chose one iconic person that got died and that iconic person uh make them in, in, uh, to encourage continue this fight one of my friends he was saying that after Kian P. Falak got killed, he was only eight year old and got shot when he was with his in, in his dad's car, and he was like after after he got killed i got i started to cry and cry and cry, and I'm gonna keep continuing this fight because of him because he was so he innocent he was just a child. all of us we pick someone and that someone just Keep the lights on inside our
2: hearts, we don't know what's going to be next. Uh, so many people don't, but eight hundred families have lost a loved one. They're never going to go back. Mm. The four hundred people who have lost an eye, they're never going to go back. The twenty thousand people who went to prison in this time they're never going that's huge numbers so many people tattooed woman life freedom on their bodies so many of them have never had a tattoo before that's like the first one they're never going to go back either like that was a big decision for them so many mm. of us have made really big decisions we might be active right now we might need to like you know take some time off recover come back again that might happen but uh, this revolution we know it will stay alive i remember vidom of a head going on uh, in انقلاب street revolution street and taking off her, her her headscarf just holding it up in the air silently nothing and she was arrested for days we didn't even know what her name was the hashtag was varies girl of revolution street that's all we knew we still don't know where she is actually she got sentenced she's not active like uh she was a mother she had a young child at the time since her time i honestly do not remember a period of no protest and no resistance in iran anymore she broke something that was the first public protest against hijab that just connected with so many people and this is just the continuation of that wave and it's adding and now just a couple of weeks ago ekbatan girls who got yeah. arrested for dancing? It will keep continuing.
1: It's it's not happening for nothing. Nothing. We can inspire people. Human rights is not limited to a region. It's not limited to Iran. It's a, it's about the world. It, some country can do stuff against human rights, it can spread around the world. It can affect every single person. Yeah. As long as there's this regime, there will be women. Who want to
2: defy it and they will be prosecuted for it and there will be other women who will fight for them and one day there will be enough of us that the change will be inevitable
0: things that we can do when we come together is pretty amazing yeah. you're both incredible I don't know. Yeah.
2: shameless plug so feminist ah dot melbourne feminist plus the letter ah that means multiple feminists in farsi And that's just what it means. Does it? That's so cool. Yes, so feminist. Because, like in Farsi, if you want to say multiple of something, you put the A at the end of it. Mm. So that's one of the ways. Uh, So, yeah, it started actually from a group called uh, Feminista Berlin. They were one of the first groups that started really organized protests in Berlin. And they were doing amazing artwork as well. Anyhow, we got connected to them, we've been following them for a while, and they were like, yeah, you know, we want some to do something Melbourne when to have a name have a bit of like idea they helped us so uh, we're uh, kind of like uh, started inspired by them hmm. uh, so feminista dot Melbourne follow us on all sorts of social media We also have a TikTok and I have no idea how to use it somebody come and teach me <laughs> Started recently. I'm seeing people arguing there. It's fun, but, you know, I (laughs) want to do more. Uh, And the public artworks that we do, uh, art installations, performances, uh, graffiti and gallery shows. If you see that art can help you to come and learn about a topic, also have a space to experience it and go through the emotions. It might be good, uh, so yeah, uh, look it up. Brilliant. We will post thank where you. we are. Where mm-hmm. we're a bit like, you know, last minute, <laughs> wrong <We're all> busy. <laughs> but still, if you're around, come and see it. Hope to see all of you. Hope to make this community, and I want to like create these spaces for conversation. Amazing,
0: and obviously, all those links will be in the
1: mm-hmm. in the show notes. Yay! Oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs>